0: Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hey, how about that lobby this morning when you came in? Is that not awesome or what? Yeah. So, uh, it's the beginning of uh, so much more, and uh, we're excited for what God is doing. Grateful for those who provided and gave for that to happen. And uh, each week you come in, you'll see just a little bit more change with that, and we're excited about that. So, uh, here we are in February, and March is right around the corner. And so I want to tell you about our March series that's coming up. Because this year, Resurrection Sunday happens on the last Sunday of March. A little bit earlier than normal. So reach into the seat back there in front of you and look for this card. And pull it out. Because here is what March will be all about. Our series is called This Is Our Banner. Here in this series, we're going to talk about what we hold up as our banner as Vertical Church. And we are simply holding up what God's Word holds up and what Jesus holds up. So if you flip to the back, you'll see each week. The first week, we're going to talk about the fact that we hold up the banner that there is hope in Jesus Christ. I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you're in right now, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. We're going to pray for our region, that people would be drawn Because we are keeping the promise to lift him up. Amen? The second week, we're going to talk about that this is our banner. That there is a way to live in Jesus. It's not just come on in and do what you want. It's we come on in and lay down what we want for what he wants. And there's a way you walk in that. The third week, we're going to talk about that there is hope because of the blood of Jesus. This is our banner. There is forgiveness. And it's not because we have earned it, done enough for it done enough good works, but because the blood of Jesus was shed for us, our sins are forgiven. Amen? Amen. The fourth week we're going to talk about, this is also our banner, that Jesus is coming again. And you better get ready because he will show up again at a time you and I may not know. The Bible says it's even at a time that Jesus himself doesn't know but the Father knows in heaven. Amen? And then the last week, we will lift up the banner that there is victory in Jesus. And I'll tell you next week about what is going to happen on that Resurrection Sunday. It is going to blow your mind. I cannot wait to tell you and describe to you what that day will be like here at Vertical Church. So take one of these. These are not meant to stay in your chair. They're meant for you to take with you. You can put it on your refrigerator, or better yet, take it and give it to a neighbor, a family member. This will be a series to not miss. I promise you, you'll not want to miss Resurrection Sunday here, March 31st. All right. We're continuing our series today, Will You Trust Me With It? And it sounds like God is working our students this weekend. I'm so grateful for you guys and the leaders and all that God is doing in you. I'm confident he has a purpose for your life. He's calling you, just like he's calling all of us, to trust him with it, with what lies ahead for us. And here's the deal. God is the potter, and we are the clay. And the clay doesn't get to tell the potter what to do. We do what he says, and we put ourselves on the table to be shaped as he wants to shape us. He's the creator, and we are the creation. And so in that, he's created us in the position to trust him. I, I lean on him. If I'm the clay, I'm just putting myself in his hands for him to do what he wants, right? And it's been that way from the beginning. Did you know that when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, even before they sinned, it had to be a relationship of trust? It really was. Uh, Riley, our oldest grandchild, asked Heather this week, Was the garden that God created, was it a safe place? And Heather said, yes. And she said, well, why was there a snake there then? (laughs) So we both had to scratch our heads a little bit. Think about that. And here's the deal. It was a safe place as long as they would trust God. Because in that garden was a snake, a serpent. In that garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was even more dangerous. In fact, The warning is, don't stay away from the serpent. The warning is, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they did. Because they chose to trust in themselves instead of trust in what God had said. It has always been a relationship of trust. It was in the garden before they sinned. It was in the garden after they sinned. And this is where we live today. We live trusting in God. What he says is true above what I think, feel, have an opinion about, above what the world says, above what circumstances. Because God is intentional and he has made specific promises to us and he intends for us to trust him to bring those things to pass. This is what faith does. It believes that what God says will come to pass. And not just in, as Lisa said, generalities. It's nice to say, I'm trusting God just for whatever. Just trusting God for whatever. That's good. That's nice. That's a great place to start if you're coming off of trusting in yourself and you say, I'm just going to trust God for whatever he wants. Well, here's the deal. He has told us what he wants. And so now, the next step of faith... More mature faith, says God. I hear your promise. I hear what you say. I believe you will bring it to pass, and I will trust you for it. That's a little different. Here's what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 1, about trust and faith. Faith is the substance of, watch this, things hoped for. Very specific things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Some specific things that God has said he would bring to pass. Not just faith is a substance of whatever. Whatever. No, faith is the substance of a thing out there that God promises, of a thing out there that God wants to do, of a thing that he is moving toward, of a thing he wants you to follow him to, of a thing, things hoped for. And you believe it, you hold to it against all odds, and you trust him for it. This is what real trust is. Trust is a whole lot more than just whatever. Whatever. It is believing that there is a very specific outcome out there. There's something very specific that he's promised. Now, you all know what I'm talking about, because if you are saved today, you are saved because of a very specific promise given to you. Here's what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead... You will be saved. You will have a very specific thing happen to you. You will have a new heart given to you. You will be secure for eternity. You will be rescued and you will be at peace with God. That's a very specific thing and so someone who says well I don't know about all that stuff about Jesus and the Bible I'm just trusting God to all work it out well here's the deal I'm sorry I'm sad to say it but if that's all you got for your faith you are not saved because you can't just say I don't know about all this Jesus and following him I'm just going to do my own thing and trust God to work it all out just whatever no, if you believe in your heart that the Lord Jesus lived and died and God raised him from the dead and you confess that with your mouth and your life, then you will be saved. There's a very specific outcome. And faith always has a specific outcome. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Here it comes. And he will make your path straight. He will reveal the way. It's a very specific thing. You say, well, I don't know about all that stuff. I'm just, I'm just trusting God for whatever. Well, if, if all you've got is whatever, then you're going to have a difficult time knowing what his path is because he's told us how to experience that and he calls us to believe that it is very specific what he gives, what he provides. Every promise has a specific end. It's not just whatever faith. It's promise-based and very specific. And God invites us to that kind of trust. Because you see, God is not just in heaven today saying, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Just whatever. No, God is intentional He is at work, he is moving, he is building his kingdom, he is building his church, he is redeeming lives, he is giving promises, and he is changing those people who believe his promises into the very nature of his son. They're becoming more like Jesus, and for all that to happen in your life, you have to trust him and move forward in that direction. You move forward, you don't just say, whatever. Every one of you adults would say to these young people, If they said to you today, adults, well, I don't know, I'm just just trusting God for whatever, we would all cringe inside a little bit, right? Adults, you'd you'd want them to know, no, God loves you. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to believe him, trust him, and follow him in the very specific ways in your life. That's what we'd want for them, and that's what they want to do. It's not just whatever. So our message today is this. Trust him for a specific outcome. Now, this is going to challenge all of us today. It's challenged me in preparing for it. And my prayer is it would challenge all of us to get to a place where we build on top of whatever into trusting God for some very specific promises. We know this is true because the Bible tells us the story of men and women who did that very thing. Noah, for example, he trusted God for a very specific outcome. God told him to build an ark and he and his family would be saved. That's very specific. Noah didn't just say, I hear you, but you know, rainbow ark, I don't know. Just, you know, I'm just trusting God for whatever. That's not what happened. It's not what happened for Noah. Abraham and Sarah believed God for something very specific to happen. That when she was barren and he was old, that they would have a child. That's specific. They didn't just say, whatever. Abraham trusted God when he offered up his son Isaac on an altar. He was very specific and he trusted God and God Kept his promise. Moses stood on the edge of the Red Sea with his nation and Pharaoh pursuing him. And he trusted God for a very specific outcome that there would be a way through this sea, the Red Sea. And God answered because he believed God for a very specific promise. Joshua entered into the promised land, and what stood in the way was a city. Jericho, and he trusted God because God told him what to do he trusted God that the walls of Jericho would fall that's very specific and Joseph in the Old Testament had a dream God spoke to him and told him that he would become a leader a national leader and his family would recognize it one day that's very specific and they all trusted God and as a result God blessed them Because they held to a very specific promise. And those promises always require trust. So let's do some board work this morning. So it always starts with a promise that God gives. Let me just be clear up front. I am not talking this morning about you dreaming up something that you would like to have and then asking God to make it come to pass. We're not twisting God's arm. We're not doing what we want. We're not asking him to do what we want. We're asking for a promise. And then we will adjust our lives to his promise. All right? So we'll be clear about all of that this morning. And then comes the reality. Now, the thing about promises is that almost every time a promise is made, there is a gap between the promise and the reality, right? This is where all of us are today. God has spoken to you, God has worked in you, and you are believing him because he's given you some promises, but they have not come to pass yet. They are still in process. And here in the middle, it requires full trust. This is the part right here in the middle where you have to lean into Him and not into your own understanding. This is the part where you have to trust He's going to bring it to pass, even when it looks like it's not. Even when everybody else is laughing at you. Even when the world says you're foolish. Even when circumstances don't seem to be going your way, you still trust. Turn your Bibles today to 2 Kings chapter 5 in the Old Testament. We're going to see the story of a man that this happened to... He is going to be given a promise. He's going to wrestle with it. He's going to have a gap between what he hears and when it comes to pass. And he's going to have to fully trust in the process. The Bible tells us about a man in 2 Kings chapter 5. It says this, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria so here's a guy who's got some power some prestige he's got a track record of some victory God has even worked in his life even though he's not really a believer at this point it's interesting that God had worked in his life even though he wasn't a believer because God is at work in everybody's life even when they still haven't believed yet Bringing them to that place where they will trust him and believe him. So here's a man. He's got, he seems to have it all together. He's a military commander, recognized, honorable. He's got some victories under his belt. But the Bible says in verse one, he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Not a leopard. He wasn't a furry. Hello. (laughs) He was a man with a problem. He had leprosy. Now we don't know much about that in our day. A horrible skin disease. An incurable skin disease. A very painful skin disease. A very disfiguring skin disease. And if you got leprosy... You were often pulled away from all your family and friends and you had to go live with other lepers. And the pain and the itching was so violent that you find stories of people in the Bible who would take pottery and just scrape themselves because the itch would not end. And it caused great pain. And here is a man of great power. All of a sudden with a problem, a big problem. And every time a problem comes into our lives, it is the moment where God has a promise for our lives. There's not a promise, or there's not a problem that you're facing today that there's not a promise from heaven for. You can know if there's a problem, there's a promise. Because God wants to show himself strong right there. You're not alone. You're not without help. You're not without strength. If you've got a problem, there's a promise. And this is what we're about to see. For Naaman, he's going to have his will you trust me with it moment. It says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. So they go out and they raid the land of Israel. God's people, and they come back and they take a young girl and he brings her back to be a servant to his wife. So he brings a young girl into the situation and she is about to become the voice of hope for him. God is about to speak through her. A man who's not really pursuing God is about to have someone who knows God speak truth from God to him. You can run, you can hide, you can try to get as far away from God as you want, but God will be faithful to send just the right person into your path for that need that you've got in your life. In the very moment, you've got a problem. It says, Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. You just didn't hear people talk about heal him of leprosy. It was a end of life diagnosis. It was a diagnosis of great pain and trouble coming. And so here she says, no, there's someone. And if he could just get to him, could be healed. He could actually be free. The Bible tells us in verses 4 through 8, I'm not going to read every, every verse in this story. There's so many stories within a story and this is a great one right here inside the story. I'll tell it real quick. So, Naaman gets ready and he goes and tells his leader and the leader says, great, I'll send you to the king. I'll send you to the government instead of to the prophet. I'll send you to the government instead of to God. I'll send you to the government man instead of the man of God. I don't know about all that man of God stuff, but I'll send you to the man of government. And when you trust in the government and not in God, you'll find yourselves not with any answers. Hello? So micro story within the story, Naaman goes and the guy says, what are you talking about? Get out of here government can't help you, but God can. So here's where we pick up the, first story, the story in verse 9. It says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Ah, now we get to the man of God. I run out of doing it my own way. Now I'm going to go see the man of God. And he goes and stands at Elisha's door. He's ready to get some answers. It said, And Elisha sent a messenger in verse 10 to him, saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now you got to know, this is Naaman. This is a recognized man. And if someone of great notoriety shows up at your door, you go to the door, you answer it. You make a fanfare about it. He's there with his horses and his men, and it's a big deal. You do something about it. But Elisha doesn't even go to the door. He sends a servant and says, yeah, you go. You go tell him, I'm busy. That is going to be highly offensive to Naaman, as we'll find out in the story here. And then he tells him, here's what you should do. The servant is telling Naaman, What you should do is go down to the Jordan River and plunge down into it seven times. And when you do, your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. You'll have skin like a baby's bottom again and you'll be clean before the Lord. You'll be right with God and right in your flesh. Wow. Here, Naaman gets a very specific outcome. You will have your flesh restored to you. He didn't just say, oh, hey, Naaman, um, just trust God for whatever. You know, hey, peace, peace out. No, he said, here's the deal. Go to the river, dip seven times, and here's a very specific outcome. You will be healed. That's very specific. It seemed crazy. It was ludicrous. Nobody was healed from leprosy. They sure weren't healed by going and dipping into a river seven times. And this was going to make Naaman look foolish. This was going to seem like something beneath him. How dare you? But God has for us great, exceedingly great, and precious promises. And he intends us to live for them. Just like in your lives, God has promises for you. Bigger than just whatever. I'm just floating through life, just whatever. No, God calls us to believe some very specific promises. Like, let me tell you some promises that our staff and I have talked about. That we are believing for us as a church. We're not just here saying, well, whatever. Whatever. Let's just show up and just whatever. Caleb, you just sing whatever. Brian, you just preach about whatever. Micah, Truett, y'all just do whatever. How far do you think we'd get as a church if all we live by was whatever? Nowhere. Trust me. I tried that before. It doesn't work. It's an epic fail. It doesn't work that way in ministry, and it doesn't work that way in life. Here's some promises we're believing. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. So guess what? As a staff, we're not scratching our heads like, what can we do to draw a crowd? What can we do to get a bunch of people here? Oh my goodness, I'm so stressed about this. What are we going to do? No, we know our responsibility is to lift up the name and work of Jesus for people around us. And guess what? God draws them because of that. He gives a very specific promise. He does it. He gives that promise, and we stand in that. Jesus said that if we will believe in his name and follow him, he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. So guess what? Do you think we are scurred of all that's out there? No? Well, aren't you scared that you're going to lift up the name of Jesus and people are going to get offended they're going to cancel you? No! I don't care who it is out there. I don't care if the gates of hell opened up out there in front of us on a villa road and started pouring demons out of it. The gates of hell will not prevail against us because we're trusting in Jesus. Amen? We're standing on very specific promises and believing for a very specific outcome. Just recently, uh, we put together a podcast, it'll come out this next week, and we are standing against some very specific evil doctrine in this area, this whole region, here in the South, I'll say. Because here are some things that are true among Christians out here that we are attacking, not the Christians, but the enemy, because he is deceiving Christians into some lies. And we're, attack, we're attacking these lies. Here they are. We are attacking the fact that some people believe that my faith should be kept separate from the rest of my life. That's an evil lie from the enemy. We're going after that. We'll attack that with the very specific promises of Scripture. Another lie that's in our region is that what we should come to in church is just something very respectable and religious. No, we're not doing that. We want to set captives free from that. We're not here to play pious Patty in church. We're not here to play Respectable Ralph in church. We're here to be believers who are set free in Jesus Christ to do what he has called us to do. Amen? We're going after that. We are also going after false spirituality that says, Oh, I know some Bible verses, therefore I have great faith. I know some information about the Bible, therefore I have great faith. I listen to sermons and Bible podcasts, therefore I have great faith. I listen to worship music, therefore I have great faith. Mm-mm. You know what faith is? Is when you trust God and you live out that truth that he's calling you to. We're going after all of these based on the promises of a very specific outcome out there. We're not just here playing whatever. We're here at the hand and direction of God. And this is how we are all should be living as followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? For me this year, when January opened up, I saw the Lord. So I said, God, I want to I know what you have for me. I don't want to just dream up something and then ask you to bless it. But I want to know what you have for me. And it was very clear as I started reading through Scripture, I'm talking about for me personally. Separate me as pastor and all the roles, responsibilities I have, just for me personally. It was very clear that God was saying to me from his word, I want you to so know my love for you that you will become more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I think, well, God, I kind of feel like... More or less a conqueror. Maybe sometimes less than a conqueror right now. Well, I have a very specific outcome out here. More than a conqueror. Am I there yet? No. Am I trusting God for it? Yes. Are you with me? You see how this works? A very specific outcome that we move toward. And this was what was true for Naaman. Move toward the promised outcome. Now you get into verses 11 through 15, you find again that Naaman gets mad about this whole deal. Like, I don't want to go down the Jordan River. I want to go to some other rivers that are nicer, that are more populated and more, you know, prestigious. And God says, nope, Jordan River. That happens in verse 11 through 13, and the people who know Naaman and love him said, dude, why won't you do this? If God had asked you to do some big thing, would you do it? Yes. Well, this is not that big a deal. Go dip in the river seven times. The Bible says, so he went down and he dipped. The better word here is plunged. Dipped implies this, you know, like boop. No. That's not what happened. This is not naming out there like boop. No. This is this is the word for. Get all the way under. Get in it. Give yourself to it fully and completely not just once, but seven times. Because Naaman, trust me. Trusting me takes everything that's in you. It takes all of you. It's going to take time. And there's a gap between the promise, your flesh will be made new, and the reality of that happening. And there's a gap in the middle, Naaman, and I need you to trust me in the middle. I need you to trust me and be willing to take the plunge, not just once, but seven times. Seven times, Naaman. I'm going to need you to plunge into that river in obedience to me. And this is often the way it is for you and I. God gives a promise, and he says, now, I need you to trust me. I need you to keep walking. I don't need you to give up. I don't need you to give in. I need you to stay with me in the process. I will bring it to pass. In fact, if God gives you a promise, then it is your place to trust. If God gives you a promise, then that means there's going to be something big waiting on the other end. If there's a promise, then there's a prize. If there's a prize, then I'm going to trust Him. And the bigger the promise, the bigger the prize. And the bigger the trust that's required. But I'm afraid sometimes in the middle, you and I get caught up in, uh, well, just whatever. And you know what whatever gets you? Whatever gets you distracted. Whatever makes you give up. Whatever makes you start comparing with other people. Whatever will never get you through all seven dips and plunges into the river. So here's what it looks like. I imagine for Naaman... Every time he went down, it was increasing his faith. I'm sure for every moment he was thinking, "Ah, nothing's changed yet. Because if you're going to plunge into that river, it's going to, first of all, take some faith. You're going to have to believe what God says over what you say. And you say, me say, Plunging into a river ain't never healed nobody. You're not going to find it on Google. I got leprosy. Go jump on a river seven times. It's not there. But when you seek the Lord and he tells you, I have something for you, a very specific outcome, but you're going to need to believe me first. And the first step in this activity is great faith. But the second that comes with it is a clear vision of what is going to happen. You need to get a picture in your mind of what it's going to look like when God brings it to pass. You might have some promises that you're believing for your family. It's important that you get a picture out there of what that looks like. Who is it that you're praying for? What is it that you're asking for? What is it that God has said he would do? Get a picture of it. If you don't have a picture of it in your mind, then how are you going to trust God for it to come to pass? How are you ever going to know that it comes to pass? If you just whatever, then how are you going to ever know that it came to pass? You won't. And God loves it when we trust Him for a very specific outcome. But it takes clear vision. Now, it also takes obedience. Because, man, you done plunged in twice, nothing happened. You telling me I still got to do this five more times? You're telling me I'm going to have to keep praying for my husband? You're telling me I'm going to have to keep praying for my wife? You're telling me I'm going to have to honor God with what he's given to me? Like, I need to obey him? Yeah. We're way past whatever. We're in all the way now. And if you want to see a promise come to pass, then you got to be obedient and 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 obedient. You just keep doing what he told you to do. You don't do it twice and say, eh, whatever. If you do, you'll leave a promise on the table that was meant for you to come to pass because you wouldn't stay obedient. But not only that, it means coming to a place of surrender. As you get down to that fourth plunge and you're starting to rethink this whole thing, your mind is kicking into gear, your logic is kicking in, your own understanding, your own will, all of that's kicking in. You're like, how long is this going to last? I'm not seeing any results. I never heard anybody else doing this. you got to get to the place where you surrender your will, your opinion, your wants, your desires, but not your pen. You say, God, I'm letting go, but only because I, I know we got a ways to go. There's something I'm driving towards here. There's a place I'm headed. There's a very specific outcome, and I got to surrender my will so I can get to your will. But along with that, you need to have some expectation. Mm. Now, you see, some people will tell you, oh, you got to let go of all your expectation I hear you. But once I grab a hold of a promise of God, I'm full of all new expectation. Again, if I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding and all my ways acknowledge Him, I've got an expectation He's going to make my path straight. That's a very clear expectation. If I am trusting God and raising my children as gifts from him and raising them and training them in the ways of the Lord, I have a very clear expectation of them becoming warriors for Christ one day. I have a very clear expectation of what that's going to look like when they meet a spouse one day and they start raising their family one day. I have a very clear expectation about that. If we as a church are being obedient to what God calls us to do, we have a very specific expectation of what God is going to do. It's not wrong to have that expectation. In fact, it's very, very right. You don't think Naaman had an expectation on plunge number five, that two more and we're done? On two more and I'm going to be healed? Yes, he had expectation, and God loves that kind of expectation. But it also requires great confidence not in me not in my strength not in that water but in God almighty and if he said it he'll do it and you need that confidence and plunge six ought to bring you to that place one more God and you're going to do what you said you would do and finally, that brings us to faith that is persistent. Oh, I'm not giving up now. I've done come too far in this path. I'm too far invested in this. I'm way in at this point. I've given myself to it. I've trusted God for it. I've taken the plunge six times. I've already made a fool of myself before the world. But I'm believing what he said. I'm going to do what he said. And he's about to bring it to pass. And I'm persistent in this deal. I'm not going to stop praying for my family, stop praying for my kids, stop training my kids up, stop loving my wife, stop trusting him. I'm going to believe him for everything that he has promised because he'll bring it to pass if I keep it out there expecting a very specific outcome. Now, Naaman did. And here's what happened. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean seven plunges and it really happened it came to pass just as God said so I don't know where you are today my guess is it's not even a guess the reality is you are somewhere between here and here there's something that you're trusting God for there's some promise you believed I hope so maybe it is direction for your life maybe it's restoration of a relationship maybe it's healing for your heart maybe it's for greater intimacy in your marriage maybe it's for your children to truly walk in God's ways maybe it's for God to provide for you maybe it's for God to work in your home maybe it's for revival in our nation as we all hope and pray but look here, listen to me I'm not just praying that revival comes. I am believing God's word that it will come at his promise because the church is alive today. The church is speaking truth today. God is raising up a generation today and revival will come. Amen? That's different than praying it might. It's believing that it will. And God loves that kind of faith. God honors that kind of faith. In Romans 10 it says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You will not be disappointed. I know you might think, well, I don't know but what if I'm wrong and you know I've never seen that come to pass like that before? What if I'm what if I'm believing too much? What if what if that's not the right thing? What if I Do you hear what all of that is? It's no trust. Let's grab the promise from the one that we can trust and believe it against the odds. Plunge seven times into the river if we need to, but hold to it, believing he will bring it to pass. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father, I thank you that you are the one who starts promises. You are the one who initiates it. You are the one who is at work. You are the one who has said what you will do. And God, I pray against every demon of doubt. I pray against every part of our flesh that pushes back from trusting you. I pray we would be your people who know you are trustworthy. And though we may not yet you will bring your word to pass and you will do it for those who will trust you with their whole heart so this morning God we are doing that we're believing promises we're holding tight to you we will not falter we will not fall away We'll not give in. We'll not walk away. We will keep plunging into our faith, trusting you and believing it will come to pass because you are the God who brings it to pass in your time, in your way. So I thank you for that. I pray for faith to arise this morning in this room. I pray for trust to awaken in us stronger than it ever has before because you are the one who is trustworthy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.